so I'm dropping off my bag. I didn't used to check my bags at all. And now I check them because if you get stuck in the back of the bus, overhead bins taken up, just, it was a hassle. So I started checking my bag. You're a big shot though. So how is it possible that you're ever in the back of the bus? I just want to know. Well, like, <laughs> I'm surprised. They don't, don't they like usher you onto the plane and then you're like, you well, know. I mean, I did tell them, do you know, do you know the podcast that I co-host? Th that's a great question. And I continue to get blank. You know, a reminder. And they still put you in the back of the bus. One time I was getting off a Southwest flight headed up to uh, Northern California. And the lady in front of me, they go, the, the flight attendant goes, we really enjoy your work. And so I thought, next, she's going to say, we really enjoy your work as well. Uh, so that was for the guy in front of you? The lady in okay. front of me, who had okay. been sitting next to me on the plane right. the whole time. And... They didn't say any such thing to me. Nothing for you. No. Didn't recognize you from the podcast or anything. Right. But I, I guess I'm not Portia de Rossi, Ellen DeGeneres' wife. No, 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 no. So had why you, would they say that? Had you been. Why would they say that to me? All right. So anyway, I interrupt. So I'm so dropping off my bag. bag. I'm right. checking my bag. We're going to bring this full circle. And the guy looks at me because I had to you know, take out your ID and hand it over. And the guy says to me, you can still smile in Arkansas. And I kind of looked at him with a blank stare on my face. Well, what is he saying? He goes, oh, your ID. You, you're smiling and you're in your driver's license picture. I said, yeah, I was, I was like, I was happy to be done with it. You know, you're at the DMV. Yeah. He goes, no, no, you can't smile in most states anymore. What? Because of facial recognition technology oh, related to your ID. That I have never heard And if that. you're smiling, the facial recognition technology apparently can't register who you are and then translate that over into a name and description, wow, et cetera. Wow, that's crazy. But I thought it was kind of a funny, I don't know, commentary on what, technology can do to us as a society make us all morose Dude, looking te technology so further further to your point i got a text alert through one of the news threads that i watch that they now have drones that can facial recognition you and then kill you with like some kind of missile yeah no yeah. that's a real thing yeah so i i think every picture i take i'm just gonna grimace like crazy and well you gotta be the the moral of the story to me is let's keep on smiling people <laughs> See, way to bring it around to something relevant. Well, you know what makes me smile? What? February 9th through 12th. Oh, because of Nationwide. Nationwide yeah. Marketing Group's primetime event, which we're going to be at speaking. If you're not signed up, get signed up. Get your hotel. It's in Houston. Uh, it's going to be a load of fun. And I don't want anybody to miss like the hotel they want or good flat prices, all that fun stuff. And then, you know, on the backside of that, like the, the in-person events are amazing. Yes. But then the the throughout the year benefits you get from Nationwide, like the e-learning platform are incredible as well. We've heard that from a lot of retailers. Well, I, I like that part of it, Kinsley, because when you think about transition at retailers, brick and mortar retailers, <clears throat> a lot of them have a um, you know, 40, 50, maybe even higher turnover rate. And if that's the case, when you bring people into your store to work on your floors, the product education part of that is a big deal. And the neat thing about what Nationwide does is, number one, they get the best trainer for the company. So Whirlpool, Serta, Temper, whatever. Give me your best guy. They make video with him. And then that's what you learn. Or gal. Or gal, of course. Uh, and that's what you learn from it. And they also gamify it in a way. They incentivize it. And if you watch so many videos in a month or whatever it is, then you get gift cards and you can go out and spend. So not only do you learn, but you get the added benefit of a gift card where you can take uh, take your uh, family to dinner. Well, I think the great starting point there is uh, if you're not if you haven't been to Nationwide Primetime or you have been, you know what you you know what you're going back for. So go to nationwideprimetime.com, get signed up, and then you know learn more about 
what is working for others in your industry by talking to them in person in Houston and hanging out with us. Well done. Dos Marcos Podcast. It's the greatest mattress industry podcast on the planet. Wait, isn't this the only mattress industry podcast? He's Mark Kensley. I truly felt bad for you at the time. He's Mark Quinn. I think Bigfoot was actually very pleasant. Together, they are Dos Marcos. We've got a guest on the show today. His name is Michael Grossman. He is the president of Kensington Furniture in Northfield, New Jersey. And here's what happened. I walk in just a touch late to his speech at the Furniture Today Leadership Conference, and I was just blown away. And I came back and I told you about it. I'm like, which is saying a lot because you aren't blown away that often. Yeah, I mean, I think you have so many type of like me too voices out there and you have people that are maybe deep dive dissecting what's happening at retail. But you, I, I personally haven't heard a lot from people who have a vision, have a passion, and are really pursuing it day in and day out. And that's what Michael uh, has been doing and, and, and his team has been doing at Kensington Furniture. Michael, first of all, welcome to the show. Tell us about yourself. Just just give us the, the elevator speech on Michael Grossman. First of all, guys, thank you for your kind words. I, I really appreciate it. It's, it's so nice to hear nice things about yourself, truthfully. <laughs> but um, uh, I'm a fourth generation uh, brick and mortar furniture retailer. Um, I've been in the business my whole life. I was born to be a furniture retailer, and um, that's what I know, and that's what I do. Um, it's a family business. We're located in suburban Atlantic City, and we've been doing our thing for uh, now four generations in our community. I think one of the things that stood out initially, uh, well, I, I'll say this. <laughs> I think your, your speech was titled something around, I am furniture man. Did I get that right? Yes. Well, I was in Florida and I joked around with my wife on my way down there. I'm like, I hope I don't see Florida, man. And then it's the whole meme, you know, on the Internet. And then then I see this guy up here, you talking about I'm furniture, man. And I'm like, okay, that's way better than Florida, man. What what did you what did you mean when you said I am furniture, man? I know that informed a lot of what you spoke about. But what did you mean when you say I am furniture, man? Well, as a fourth generation furniture retailer it's what i know it's who i am and um as someone who has been in the family and been in the industry that has been accustomed to doing things a certain way and found success um it's important and essential that uh we transform and that we have to think about differently the way we always have known things and we're at this period of great change and so i think furniture man represents uh what was, but also what needs to be to survive. So can I ask you a question, Michael? When you were young, you say you're fourth generation. Were you always convinced that you were gonna get into the family business or was there a point when when you were like, hell no, I'm not getting into this crazy business? I think that what happens is it just, it evolves. You graduate college and you say, okay, the business, you got a family business, you might as well join it. So so I, I think it's just attrition a lot of times that happens. And, and and as a young person coming out of college, to be able to go into a business and have a an important role, it gives you a lot of responsibility and a lot of insight that you might not have in any other type job. 
So uh, it, it's attractive. And it's also cool to be able to work with your family. You know, there's the positives and neg- negatives of it, certainly. But uh, it's, it's great to be able to work with family. Michael, one of the things that beyond I Am Furniture Man that stood out from the get-go at your speech was when you described um, the economic conditions of your county. Tell, let, give us a lay of the land. So we're in Atlantic County, New Jersey, which is southern New Jersey. And um, uh, our, our community has been dependent upon casino gambling for a long time. And uh, the, the town, much like maybe even a typical furniture retailer, is that the, the ground changed. And we were the only game in town, us in Las Vegas. And then casinos became legalized in other parts uh, 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 of our area. And, and uh, we weren't the only game in town. And our town didn't transition. It just hung on to what had made it always successful and drained the swamp, so to speak, of that. And what happened is economic devastation. That in uh, in in in, in or about uh, 2016, four 17, excuse me, four casinos closed within uh, a 90-day period, uh, losing ten thousands of jobs. And within a matter of months, our community uh, became some of the worst economic uh, conditions in the country for foreclosures, for economic pain, and these other measurements. And uh, all while I was, a, we had a large retail footprint that had to be able to um, do business to this community that was, you know, economically uh, challenged. So, uh, you know, Atlantic City, you know, has uh, had many lives. And um, uh, we're right now trying to figure out how to reinvent ourselves maybe a third or fourth time since uh, our heyday in the 20s. Talk about that reinvention. What are you doing? How are you thinking about things? Uh, how has your, your vision evolved? Well, I, I, think, I think that you know, two, couple, two things happened. Number one is the evolution of the Internet and through this economic pain. So it's not as if I was in a powerful position and could say, okay, that's be cool to try. Necessity required me to be able to transition or else I would die. And so I think what happened was that as a fourth generation furniture retailer, I tried to make the point that a lot of us are, you know, it just, we're, you know, we walk into this business, there's a sense of entitlement. And what this economic devastation did is it required me to lose that devastation and be able to rethink the way that I approach my business, the way that I think about everything. Because if I didn't, I would die. And I didn't want to die. Michael, you're talking about two very big things here. Um, Economic devastation of a township, which there's not a lot you personally can do about that. So that's one. And then the whole e-commerce thing, which everyone else is struggling with too, I think, just about anyway, or trying to learn their way into it. But when when you look at that kind of stuff, that's pretty weighty. Was, was there a point, like, how were you able to play the mental game there and not let the, the gravity of that get you down and and kind of say, I don't know, is this even worth it? Can we even fix this? How can we bring, you know, Atlantic City back and our trade area back? I mean, did it ever feel so daunting? You were just like, you know what, there's, there's other ways to make a living. A lot of times you don't think about self-improvement you just float through and um i would i i recognized that i had to work on myself because of the challenges that i was facing was bigger than just things that i could control and i had to look at myself and so what i decided to do was i went to a tony robbins business mastery in january of 2000 
and uh, I believe 16. Uh, and as I was sitting in the audience feeling, oh my God, I spent all this money. Uh, is this gonna be worth it? Is this silly? Is this just rah-rah? Uh, in walks in and sits two, two rows in front of me is Todd Wanick and his leadership team at Ashley. And um, it was a transformative experience those four days uh, just because it allowed me to look at myself and to work on myself. And I remember the Tony said that um, the, the owner or the leader is the chokehold of your business. And say that really again. Say that one more time. The owner or the leader is the chokehold of your business. And that everything that was happening at Kensington Furniture, everything that I wanted to accomplish had to run through me. And that I had to take, and there's another book by, um, uh, I forget the guy's name, but it's about uh, um, responsibility and that everything that happens in my business is ultimately my fault. And um, so I, I looked at those two thoughts and um, I just, since that time, have really spent most days spending a defined period of time trying to work on myself because I knew that the challenges that I would confront, that I had to confront, uh, would begin and end with how I performed as a person. That is such a different tack than I think most people would take. Because when you look at, number one, the economic torpedo that came down on your area, four casinos closing in 90 days, the amount of jobs lost, housing starts, people moving out, on and on it goes. You look at that and you think to yourself, I mean, from an outsider's perspective, what are we as a company going to do? What are we as a community going to do? But you took a different approach. You brought laser-like focus straight to yourself, which is what am I going to do? And, and then you made an investment in yourself because it sounds like you understood that I've got to get this right for myself. I've got to get my vision clear, my head right. Otherwise, I can't go back and inject the energy and the vision that's needed into my team and into our community. Is that? That's 100% it. And so what, one of the things I learned at that business mastery was that, um, you know, we work on diet, we work on exercise, but we don't put the same discipline into ourselves and our mindset. And uh, uh, the mindset is really the gateway. And um, we have to invest the same period of time like we would diet and exercise in giving yourself positivity and learning. And, you know, at the conference, I went and Todd Wani said to me, leaders are readers. And, um, you know, I said, wow, that's cool. Because, you know, how much do you really read and how much do you expand your brain? And, and, and uh, uh, I've been as best as possible diligent since that time uh, working on myself. Michael, what were some of the other things? Because very many people in the world don't go to a Tony Robbins business mastery course. And I, I've got a friend. His name's Mike Zeller. He's a great guy. He's been to several, and it was transformative for him. T talk to us about that experience and what else um, changed inside of you or things you noticed at the conference that you really took away and grasped onto. Well, first of all, I think that um – made me realize too that you know the, the emotion of the conference is great i mean it's exhilarating but it means nothing in three months six months 12 months right unless you act on it so um you know execution and and, and focusing in on execution post the meeting and and what, what they do is they bring in some 
inspirational people to speak alongside Tony Robbins, but also what, what, what he does is he just takes you through, you know, the financial aspect of your business and, and, um, uh, how to think about opportunity. And it was just, it was, it was great. You know, it was really cool. It was cool. And it was cool that the Ashley people were there. Uh, and, um, uh, because I, I knew, I, I respect what Ashley's impact is on our industry and how their mindset is such that that's why they win. And um, that's what made them successful. So I could try to understand them and apply those lessons to me and my business. And uh, that's another takeaway that, that, that I had. So uh, uh, my, a question for you, when you were there, was there something specific that you brought back that you've made your North Star or you, you're like, okay, I've got to fix that because that's true. Like there was some self-actualization in it and you're like, that that's me and that's a problem and that is what I'm going to attack first. Simply no, I, I would since then there's so many things that have evolved since that conference. But what I think the one constant since that conference is that I try to spend at least a half hour every day infusing my brain with something that makes me learn and expand and grow. Like listening to your podcast, okay, or other thought provoking uh things to be able to get me out of what I always think and feel to be able to expand my brain. And, and I, I just want to constantly work on my brain and my psyche and, and learn and grow and recognize that, you know, because what I think and what I know doesn't mean that it's right. And there might be more to understand and learn. And that's, I guess, the constant. Yeah, I, I love that. Um, that. That inspires me. I love hearing that. Is, did, did it change how, when you came back from that, Michael, did it change how you interfaced with the people in your company at all? I, I would say that um, since, yes. And, and and I think that since then I, I've evolved so much more. I was, it was like I was a baby in terms of self-development and being a leader. And I really didn't understand how to really be a consummate leader. When, when, you're, when you're a fourth generation family member in a business, sometimes you go through the motions. You know, you're, you're given the job, you're given the responsibility, there's a degree of arrogance that comes uh, with with that that position and being able to be humbled and being able to realize that you have to almost start at ground zero and reinvent yourself and thus sustain your business is is transformative but it doesn't overnight and um, so I would say that it's been a constant sense of evolution. I can't believe it's Sarah Bergman. Sarah Bergman, what's going on? Believe it. Hi. Nothing. Believe it, because I'm here, y'all. Here we are. I love it. So, um, hey, I want to talk to you. Um, I was um, with a retailer recently, and they were complaining about some of the stuff they had in terms of a pillow program. Mm -hmm. And I looked at it in their store, and I'm thinking to myself, they really need to talk to you guys because it looked like someone had just come in and threw, threw a fixture in their store and just put stuff on it. And one of the things I think that's so important about what you guys do is that you come in and you work with your new partners and you customize solutions for them because the fact of the matter is not, there isn't a single retail store concept that is the same as the next. I mean, there might be similarities, but I love that you guys take the time to go in, ask the right questions, create customized you know product solutions for them first of all and then secondly the training and that's such a big part of it is 
helping them understand the process of selling it to consumers. So can you tell us a little bit more um, about that and why that has been a big part of your success? Yeah, for sure. And I'm going to start actually with, I think, where that comes from and the foundation of our culture, because um, you know, the people who own and run this company and have the Bergmans and the Hirschbans, they all come from years of retail experience. So this isn't a group of people who um, have never worked a day of retail in their lives and are interested in just building sleep products. We are building products and building relationships based off of what has been ultra successful in retail in the past for us personally. So, you know, I think it, it kind of starts from the top and it trickles down. Um, and I think the other important thing that we throw around a lot, kind of a saying, is that it's essential to us that all ships sail in the same direction. And so what that means to us is that the work that goes into a program with a retailer, either existing or brand new to us, that preliminary work, those conversations about, talk to us about your, your current selling processes, talk to us about what your training team does today, really understanding what they do and what has worked for them and consequently what hasn't worked for them allows us to select the right products, uh, input the right people, um, create products when needed, develop private labels. All of those things come from those initial conversations of really understanding the retailer themselves. So I appreciate all of your kind words on that. And we work incredibly hard to make that happen for every single retailer we work with. So that's that's why I'm I'm so exhausted all the time, Mark. You know, it's a worthy cause, but uh, yeah. I totally get it. And let me tell you, it's one of the reasons that Kinsley and I love you and love Sean and Jeff and the Hirschbains and all those guys because, and my sister, because she's part of it. Yeah, she is. Because you guys have purpose and you genuinely want the people doing business with you to succeed and it shows and I love that about you guys. So hey, thanks a bunch. Love the tips. You guys, if you uh, have not already checked out Pure Care stuff, go to it right now, purecare.com. Go there. Bye, Sarah. Bye. We are, of course, here on the Dos Marcos podcast talking with Michael Grossman, Kensington Furniture, Northfield, New Jersey, fourth generation family business, independent retailer. You know, they went through some very hard times. Michael, talk about some of the specific things, the actions you took to engage the community. The one that stands out to me is the prom dress event. But maybe you could tell that story and there are others, perhaps. Well, as a fourth generation business, you know, we're ingrained in the family, in, in, in the community. So it's common that, um, that people come in the store on a regular basis and say that, you know, we bought our first bedroom set. We got married here and my grandmother bought her furniture. And so the memories and the generational, uh, uh, connection to the community is, is, is profound. And, um, so we know that we, as a business, uh, need to be connected to the community to remain relevant and to stay relevant. And, and, and so Project Prom was uh, something that a, a local woman, a real estate agent, came to us and said, you had this idea, and what do we think, and should it be housed at the store? And, and we said, we said yes right away. And so uh, we worked together with her and the Boys and Girls Club to be able to um, uh, collect palm dresses from just about now till about late March. And then in and around late March, uh, we, we have this weekend of Project Prom where 
up to a thousand girls do come into the store. We clear out it. We have an 18,000 square foot clearance center. And so we clear out the clearance center and we make it like a Hollywood dressing room with individual dressing bays and mirrors and pictures and like, uh, uh, like, you know, they take, they take images of the girls and, and there's jewelry and there's all this connection. So they come and they line up that they line up side the store and they, and, and we really, it's, it's cool. It's really a cool event to be able to help. And what benefits from a business standpoint, how's that sell more furniture and mattresses? Well, from uh, January until March, we have people donating mattresses, uh, mattresses, donating dresses that come into the store and drop them off. And then we are able to utilize that to uh, get email addresses, create connectivity with the customers. And also it, 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 it creates a feeling that we're not just another furniture store that were connected to the community. And I think that emotional connection helps when customers are deciding when to buy furniture or mattresses. One of the things that was listed in the description of your speech when you gave it at Furniture Today's leadership conference was this line, I'm sick and tired of it and I'm not going to take it anymore. And, and, and I say that on the heels of you telling the story about the Project Prom because we talk so often about turning your store into more of a community space and what can you do in your environment that's going to bring people in when they're not even thinking about buying furniture and mattresses. Um, do you think about your space differently? Did, did, was this a result of, hey, I'm sick and tired of it and I'm not going to take it anymore? For sure. I think, you know, we can't, I can't, we can't, I think we brick and mortar independents cannot think about our business and our store and how to drive traffic in the way that we always have. And that's what this thing called the internet has messed up for us. And, and we're not gonna have the same results. Therefore, we have to think of our store as a community store, as a place to hang out. You know, what did uh, I said in the speech, but well, Neil Blumenthal from uh, Warby Parker said, uh, retail's not that, just mediocre retail. And so is our, is our retail experience, is it what it feels like to come into our store typical? And uh, can we transform it to be something other than that? And um, as an independent brick and mortar small guy, you know, I don't have the capital that some of these bigger companies do to create um, uh, these in-store uh, fit out experiences that uh, they might. Therefore, we have to create community events and things that create emotional tie. And through hustle and, 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 and imagination, uh, we can drive customers into our store. We can drive people in our store through community events and through a connection to the community by using our, uh, our, our hustle and our imagination. And, and so, and, yeah, go ahead. No, no, that's, and that's so important. And, and it's our mind, it's back to what I said earlier, it's about the mindset as well, that we I have, just have, the right, have to have the right mindset. Michael, when, when you started doing that type of stuff, I don't know how long ago it was when you kind of started to look at your business differently, but when you started to create experiences and doing things that would make people feel something about your business, because that's kind of how I look at this, is you can you can tell somebody something that they'll likely forget. You can deliver an experience to them that will make them feel something that they'll never forget. You're making people feel things. Kinsley and I talk about that all the time. What impact has that had on your business and on the consumers that choose you to shop with? Well, I would say that the, the, the data says that we've had a double-digit increase in foot traffic in 2019, and we've had a double-digit increase in sales. So, so, so I think that it, it does have some resonance. But what's true is that as 
happy as that might make you, that doesn't get you to next year because of the pace of change being so intense that I have to reinvent myself again. And um, it's going to not stop. Um, Michael, you, you talk about like hustle and vision and the team coming around and, and making this a community space, engaging the community. But when you talk about double digit growth and foot traffic and double digit growth in sales, you're a bit of an outlier in today's retail environment. It, is there anything specific that you attribute that to? You know, are there are there certain events or certain strategic changes that you look back on and say, I'm pretty sure we can map it to these items? Well, first of all, I would sit around with furniture guys or mattress guys, and we could talk about the product or industry gossip, right? And 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 uh, and and. But what I recognize is that I have to understand social media and what's where the customer's mind is. Uh, and where their attention is, rather, I would say. And so I, I made it a point to really use Google and, 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 and YouTube and, and educate myself on, on where the customer's attention is right now. And then how can I use those tools to my advantage to keep my business and my story in front of those customers to where their attention is? And so I would say it's the discipline to realize for my survival to understand these tools in, in a strong way and not have to delegate that to someone or or if I do delegate it to someone, I understand what works and doesn't work based on my education. I think it's a great point. I mean, we want to wish and hope that things would stay the change, stay the same. We could buy radio and TV and print. But um, then you get started, for example, on Facebook. And let's say that you're crushing it on Facebook. And then Snapchat comes along and you're like, OK, I'm all in on Snapchat. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh, my gosh, all of the tools that Instagram has implemented pretty much undercuts everything that Snapchat was trying to do. And now I have to pivot over to that platform and learn it. And hoping and wishing isn't a strategy. You have to hop in and participate and use those tools because you're right. The attention, the mind space, the mind share, that's where people are spending their time. And as much as some people may not like it, it's the way things are and dealing with the way things are is a much more healthy, I think, approach then hoping things are going to change. Maybe it'll go back to the way it was. It sounds like you just hopped in and went after it. Well, first of all, it's not going to go back. And I think that we're at the beginning of the beginning of the impact of the digital revolution on consumer behavior. And um, that doesn't mean that we're dead. And so when they say that I'm mad as hell, I'm mad as hell for us to accept our demise and to sit around and whine about what is. It is what it is. And therefore, we what you have to make a choice. And one of the things back to Tony Robbins is you make a choice. Uh, it's your choice. The mind and your attitude is really what will determine your outcomes. And um, so I made a choice that I'm going to win. And um, so we learned Facebook. And, and so what we do is we we for any particular campaign, if it's this week right now, end of the year, we'll have 30 consecutive campaigns running on Facebook. Facebook and Instagram utilizing different audiences based on the segmentation of my audience and will create make creative tailored to each of those audiences. So one of the decisions that we made was that we said, OK, what's our advertising budget? How much are we spending here, there and elsewhere? And we said we need to take a portion of that money and shave it off and put it into human capital. 
because creating content, creating information and putting uh, my presence out there is as important as advertising these days. And um, uh, so we have a team of people at the store that uh, create content. And from that, we, we, I made it a point to understand how to use Facebook audiences. And I would think that the thing that made us uh, improve our traffic this year was the combination of, 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 of some traditional media, but more uh, the use of uh, segmented Facebook and Instagram audiences to drive traffic and then know how once they bite, how to convert them into store traffic. Yeah, couldn't couldn't agree more. The content thing is a big part of it, and knowing your brand and knowing your voice, uh, you, you know, you and Kinsley both hit on something, and it's the the mention of whining. Um, I wrote a blog last week at mquinn.com called "The Way Things Are," and Kinsley turned me on to this guy named Roy Williams. Have you heard his name before? He was a coach. Was he a basketball coach, Roy Williams? Uh, as a matter <laughs> of fact, <laughs> University of Kansas and then you know, North yeah. Carolina. We won't talk about that. Yep, yeah, but that's that's a different guy. Uh, but yes, so this guy's called uh, the Wizard of Ads. He wrote a book, best-selling New York Times best-selling book called Wizard of Ads, and he's got this place. I'd, I would encourage you and everyone to look him up. He's an amazing guy. He's got a very unique voice in the marketing space. But Kinsley uh, brought me out there to his Wizard Academy and. Ever since then, um, I've been reading his Monday morning memo in my blog post for that week called uh, The Way Things Are was about one of his podcasts or one of his blog posts. And in it, he says this. He says, I'm not saying that you have to make peace with the status quo. I'm not saying that you have to accept things as they are. I'm not saying that, what, uh, that you are powerless to change things. I'm saying that unproductive whining is pointless. Take action or shut up. Don't spend your life believing you're a victim and trying to convince everyone else of it. So what would you say, because there's a lot of people in our space that are kind of living right there at the moment. They haven't accepted that things are, are changing drastically and this is the new new and we're just beginning. What would you say to those folks that are kind of living in that space right now? Well, I, I think that this Internet thing is, um, is, is, I don't know what the right word is, but it's a big determining factor. And so if you are, as you described, whining and complaining, then you are going to be left out. And um, that, that's why it's up to you. You just got to decide. And it, the whining and the complaining is going to make you lose the race. And um, uh, you have to make a choice if you want to survive. And um, if because things aren't going to change, aren't going to go back, aren't going to remain static quo, the, the mattress industry and, and, and what's Going to happen with bed in the box is not going to slow down, okay? And um, or for the furniture, what's going to happen with you know Wayfair or how Amazon's going to become even more omnipresent? Uh, you know, these, these aren't going to change. E-commerce isn't going to dissipate. Um, customers aren't going to be less connected uh, with to the internet. Uh, the vendors whom I sell right now, uh, who are loving the concept of direct the consumer uh this is not going they're not going to shy away from that in favor of me uh so, so so i have to figure out a way to remain relevant and 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 whining and complaining is 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 counterproductive now having said that if i look at it differently i think we have enormous opportunities we have enormous opportunities as brick and mortar. First, we have stores. Second, we have legacy third we have knowledge and information and we are the product experts in our marketplace, but um, we have to be able to use these modern tools to be able to convey that message. And if we do, if we can fix our mindset, I think we could do well. 
Michael, the things you listed there are what people in the industry spend a lot of time uh, thinking about, perhaps complaining about, worrying about. You know, it's the e-commerce shift. It's how that impacts brick-and-mortar retailers. In a nutshell, when I think about what you've done, is that how people compete? Because like you said, you have all of these elements that create a competitive advantage and do give you a bit of a moat within your marketplace. But is it investing in the human side of things to create the content, to then nurture those leads and get them into the funnel and then guide them down to a conversion? Is that kind of one of the major thematic um, strategic directions that people can head? I think so. And I think think that we can use our content, our information as product specialists, but put that in the form that people are using. Um, You know, the the thought is that what we have and what will be left as the internet evolves is our brand, right? And I mentioned in the speech, the brand is trust, right? And so how do we engender trust? I think we can engender trust in our marketplace by being a transparent, uh, forthright and informative. And the more that we can educate our consumer, the end consumer, and know once they bite on our education, how to take that nibble that they've done by taking our information and converting that into a store of traffic, that's going to be the trick. And, and I don't think that anyone can, um, can compete with what we know uh, about furniture and mattresses. You know, Kinsley and I've talked a lot about um, disinformation, so it's kind of weird. Um, and this just kind of dawned on me, actually. But in a time where the internet is this place where you can go get information, like I'm sure we've all been in a conversation where something comes up and we don't, I don't know, we just Google search it and bam, we have the answer in like 12 seconds. Um, but it's also a problem because in the furniture and mattress space, both, and I'm sure every product category for that matter, there's a lot of disinformation. Information. So um, people saying online that a $250 mattress is the best possible bed for side sleepers, as an example. Uh, and there's a lot of people come shopping. I was just with a very large retailer, and that was his frustration, that people are coming in misinformed because of nonsensical posts online. So yes, it's a place of great information, but a lot of times it's bad information. Can you, can you share with everyone, like, how do you guys deal with that? Like, I'm sure consumers come in and they think they they have all the answers. How do you guys handle that consumer these days? It's a problem. I, I don't have a, a set answer. Um, it's a problem. And it's a problem that um, we're not adept, and my company's even not adept, at, at managing reviews in a positive way and creating um, uh, positive information. It, 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 it's something that we need to continue to work on. And uh, what was true about all this change is that there are no sure answers. And I don't know a lot of things and a lot of us don't know a lot of things, but we just got to continue to fight through. I I think that's the most honest answer I can give. Uh, But it is a problem. It is a concern that that a $250 mattress or something even less at Amazon because they trust Amazon so deeply is, uh, is, 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 is considered better than an awesome Stearns and Foster mattress. Right. Well, um, I, I can't thank you enough. Before we go, I want to ask you one more question. And I'll let Kinsley wrap us up here. But um, we try to ask everyone at the end of any conversation we have, interview that we have, did we miss anything? Is there anything that you want to share with this audience or share with us or just say about the industry in general? Uh, in, anything that uh, we left untouched here? No, I, I, I think, I don't think so. I just want to make sure that it- 
anyone who has listened to the podcast uh, recognize that the opportunity is within your own self and that we don't have to feel defeated and you know, all the buzzwords that people banty about are just buzzwords. And, um, you know, I think I said that, uh, you know, we just have to continue to fight and we can win. Michael Grossman of Kensington Furniture in Northfield, New Jersey, an amazing independent retailer, an inspiration to all of us in the industry. Michael, thank you so much. Best wishes as you head into 2020. Uh, please keep us posted on your progress. Maybe we could check back in with you. How'd that sound? Awesome, guys. And best to you. And keep up with the best mattress podcast in the industry. I really I, I appreciate uh, what you do and how you educate me. And um, I think you're doing great stuff. So just keep on keeping on. You can bounce on it. Oh, oh. What is a hybrid? It's like peanut butter jelly, peanut butter chocolate. Hybrid so tight, there's no way that you could topple it. Hybrid on my wrist, that's a calculator watch. We add ourselves together and we take it up a notch. Got the airflow, yo, keep you cool as it get. Visco foam alone to make you drip sweat. Get a hybrid mattress, yes, you'll get better rest. Cool and comfortable, hybrid like a sweater vest. You know the game, we're ahead of it, son. Cause the two of us together are way better than one. Cause I'm cool. And I'm hot like a heater Bounce by the ounce Now we got it by the leader Well you take a spring And you wrap it up right You can sleep so smooth Or bounce all night Put two together Get a whole lot more Get the feel of the comfort core You can bounce on it Lay back You don't have to practice It's the best thing to happen To your mattress Get together to do it like I did Everybody get hybrid if you want somebody to get in your vicinity, you probably want to feel a little bit of a hybridity. Foam alone, out of five, maybe one star. Springs and foam, we're taking care of that lumbar. Mad back support, the best way to shack up or just get rest that won't mess your back up. Like a hot chick mixed with a particle physicist or a mullet. Party in the back of the business. Best of both worlds like Mars and Venus. The ultimate hybrid. Keeping it loose while keeping it tight We can make you sleep or play all night Put two together, get a whole lot more Get the feel of the comfort core You can bounce on it No stopping when the beat gets played back Springs keep it popping, foam keeps it laid back Party over here, get invited Everybody get hybrid Right, listen, doesn't matter if your kitchen is charming When your bedroom's the most important part of the apartment What kind of bed do you keep back there? Does your girl want to chill on a beanbag chair? Hell no, you need springs and foam Cause if that bowling ball don't bounce, you'll be sleeping alone And if the bed don't react, then you can't get low We got that type of bounce that won't spill your Merlot So stick with us and you'll get rewarded Cause I'm so gentle and I'm so supportive is where the magic is And we just killed a song about mattresses